Welcome to Care Credit's podcast series on using data to help your practice get back to normal. Hi, I'm Randy Baldwin, Vice President of Specialty Client Marketing here at Care Credit. My guest today is Bill Mercier. He's the president of OptiCall and Mr. Michael King, CEO and founder of LASIK Marketing Agency and creator of the Clinic Marketing System. Today's topic of conversation is reviewing three KPIs or key performance indicators for patient conversion, practice recovery, and growth. First, I want to thank you guys for joining us, both you, Bill, and you, Michael. Uh, and Michael, uh, what we like to do is I'd like for you to take a couple minutes, if you don't mind, tell the audience and the listeners who you are, what your company is, so they can get a better feeling for you and your credential. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Randy, and also thank you, Care Credit, for having me here on the podcast and uh, having had the opportunity to get to know both you gentlemen. It's an honor here to be with you. Uh, to provide the people that are listening a little bit of context on my experience, I have had the pleasure of you know, not only running an agency and creating our clinic marketing system, but really what's most important is that I've worked inside a medical practice for over 10 years. I was serving as the vice president of marketing. Uh, you name it, I've done it inside a clinic. I've also worked for Tony Robbins, the motivational speaker. I'm a digital marketer certified partner. Um, I've spoken on, you know, at uh, conferences like Traffic and Conversion Summit, uh, a lot of the other ones, uh, industry-related uh, events as well. Um, and client-wise, on our agency, you know, we work with clinics anywhere from million in revenue to over 100 million in revenue worldwide. Uh, and really, our core focus is helping elected medical practices to really reach the potential. Um, but I think my most important achievement is that I'm a very proud daddy to Avery and Alyssa. Uh, absolutely love my two daughters, but uh, that's, uh, that's me in a nutshell. Thank you very much, Michael. And I agree, your, your crowning accomplishments are your two daughters. <laughs> uh, Bill, <laughs> Bill for, for, for those of our listeners who might not have heard, heard you on our previous you know, podcast series that we have, Tell us a little bit about yourself and your companies and remind us of um, your credentials as well. Absolutely. I'd be happy to. And, and uh, same with Michael. Uh, I'm, I'm very uh, uh, pleased to be doing this with you and appreciate the opportunity to speak to the care credit uh, practices and that uh, utilize your service. So uh, it's a great opportunity to uh, give them some education on some of the things that we've learned over the years. A um, little bit about Optical started the company out about 18 years ago in the elective medicine uh, field. Uh, started out with ophthalmologists that performed the LASIK procedure and then uh, over the years have uh, put our, our uh, eggs in other baskets in plastic surgery, aesthetics, bariatrics, primarily focusing on practices that do elective procedures and taking phone calls, making phone calls, responding to web leads. Those are really what our expertise focuses in on. Sounds very good. Thank you very much, Bill. And thank you, Michael, for giving us your background as well. You know, just, just to ground everyone here, so far in our podcast series, we have talked about the importance of using industry data and how to apply the KPIs or key performance indicators to improve practice performance. But, you know, there are some listeners here who may be looking at this information from a recovery standpoint rather than a growth standpoint. And so that's where we're going to try to focus here today. And, and to get us started, the first question is, um, do you feel that a practice in today's time can still be growing 
during this pandemic uh, situation or when there are difficult times? Michael, why don't you start off with, for us? Absolutely. Um, you're right, Randy. Right now, <clears throat> what, what practices are facing uh, worldwide is a lot of unpredictability and a lot of uncertainty. It's everything from having a limited capacity in clinic, perhaps they're having some staffing challenges, they're dealing with reduced volume in clinic and revenue, maybe the budgets are a little bit lower. There's a lot of different things that are affecting clinics right now, but I believe, and hopefully one of the, like, the, the biggest message I'd love to give to those of you that are listening uh, is hope and all is not lost because you know we have seen uh, many of our clients right now having some of their best months uh, and they're thriving right now during these challenges. You know, last uh, in July, for example, one of our clinics had the best month ever in 18 years that they have been in business. And really, what wow. you know to encourage people that you can thrive during adversity. And you know, this is a time right now where if you have the right strategy, you can grow your patient volume during these uncertain times. And I have to agree with Michael that there is hope. We've seen practices growing during these different times as well. Well, that sounds good. You know, and I agree with you too. Um, certainly there's times where we don't think we're growing, but if you look back on it, we um, really can find that we are growing. And that's what we're gonna talk about today, right? The key uh, performance indicators that helps practices grow and how to measure their growth, right? So. As you and I, you know, the three of us, we've known each other for several years, and as, uh, as we've indicated before, uh, and there are many different key performance indicators that practice should be um, identifying, measuring for growth. But I wanted to talk today about those three that we indicated earlier. And reality is these um, KPIs, whether you are a healthcare practice where your main business model is the self-elective procedures, or whether you're a healthcare business model that is more insurance-based, these KPIs is something that everyone should identify and measure for growth. For growth. And the three that we're gonna talk about today is um, lead to consultation conversion rate. The second one is lead to response time. And the third one is re-engagement wins. So let's get to it. Michael, I'd like for you to start us off. And the question I have for you is, how would you define lead to consultation conversion rate for our listeners? Excellent. You know, to provide a little bit of context, you know, I believe in when you're, you're looking at in, in your clinic and how to be able to grow your practice predictably and consistently, one of the most important metrics is that consultation conversion rate. And so, you know, what that means, or that lead to consultation conversion rate rather. And, you know, every healthcare industry is a little bit different, but Really, the, the reason why this is important, especially in the elective patient pay model, is this is just that lifeline of knowing how your marketing is doing and knowing how you're able to convert a lead into an actual consultation. So for the listeners, uh, a lead to consultation conversion rate is the percentage of consultations that you schedule from patient leads that opt in from your marketing efforts. So in, in layman's terms, let's say you have 100 leads and you schedule 45 consultations. Well, your lead to consult conversion rate is 45%. And I really strongly recommend that you have this on your fingertips on a weekly basis if possible. And, you know, looking back, uh, you know, having been in elective med medical for quite some time, you know, traditional programs that practices were using were things like an Excel spreadsheet or, you know, maybe even having it on paper uh, and really, you know, today we have so many new digital tools at our fingertips 
to help be able to convert more of those leads to consults. And I think, you know, really a huge, huge reason for what we've been seeing is an increase in the lead to consult conversion rate has been offering the virtual consultations. And so for some of our implementation uh, practices we have on our agency side, we've seen a seven-day lead to consult conversion rate, meaning mm -hmm. after seven days, we look back and say to ourselves, how have those leads converted? And we traditionally were seeing 25 to 34% of people converting to an in-office consult. But now the lead to virtual consultation has been 35 to nearly 50% and more. And really what, what, what I want to drive home is that if you look at that bucket of leads, within seven days, you should be getting, in most cases, 70 to 80% of the consults you're going to schedule happen within seven days. So you really want to measure, meaning they'll schedule within, you know, they'll, they'll take that action to schedule within seven days. So the, the, the virtual consult to me has been a phenomenal tool um, positively affecting your lead to consultation conversion rate. Wow, that's, you know, very interesting. And I love some of the stats that you actually brought out. I was really listening to you when you brought in that virtual consult, um, typically, you know, average consult range, 35%, and with virtual um, consults, they go up to about 50%. That's about 15% increase over the standard way of people having consultations, right? So really more opportunities to increase procedure volume. Uh, Bill, I don't want to leave you out of this conversation. So I know you work with a lot of clients. Tell us about their experiences with that as well. Absolutely, sure. It's a great point, Michael. You know, we've seen some great results with clients that we work with as well. You know, prior to the COVID situation, we had a lot of plastic surgery clinics that offered virtual consultations to patients, primarily due to the fact that a lot of their patients came from far away. It saved them time and money. A lot of our practices were skeptical in offering virtual consults, uh, particularly those in the LASIK and refractive surgery space. It wasn't until some of their peers started doing them that opened their eyes up to that idea. And, uh, you know, I've been looking at some of the numbers of the consults booked in July for 2019 versus 2020 in July. And a lot of our practices had consult volume up as much as 30% over last year, and primarily due to the fact that they're offering these, this virtual consult concept. Wow, so 15% so in, in your experience there, Michael, in, in your experience, Bill, up as much as 30% by offering virtual consults. And I know we're gonna talk about that in a little bit more. So it seems that the BCs or virtual consults is something that practices would explore, and I, I think you guys are advocates of that. Uh, but Michael, um, I know that virtual consults is something that is that something you really would recommend. I know you're in the phone industry, right? Uh, phone calls and such like that. But would you recommend virtual consults? A thousand percent. I I say it all the time. Um, virtual consults are here to stay, and it it really is. You know, an important point, given right now that clinics are dealing with a decreased capacity in clinic, you know, given everything going on with COVID and whatnot, and the, the virtual consult really is just a phenomenal, you know, tool. It's a win-win for not only the patient but also for the clinic. And, and let me give you five quick reasons for it. Number one, patients can save time and avoid the hassle of having to be in traffic to come directly to your clinic to be able to actually find out, you know, whether or not, you know, the, the services you provide are good for them. Number two, you know, in the virtual consult, they can get all their 
questions answered. They can learn about pricing and the financing options. And really, they're, you know, they're, they're that much more qualified before coming into your clinic. And, you know, number three, you know, that, that in-office capacity is that, you know, but before many clinics, what we would do is we would have a potential patient come in for that in-office consult and exam. And, and then now, the, you know, the virtual consult helps, to, again, to get them qualified and really helps to solve that real issue of the decrease in-office capacity. Number four, uh, patients love them, uh, and, and all of our clients uh, love giving them. It, it's just, it's, it's a, both sides of the coin appreciated. They don't have to walk into an office in the first experience with somebody wearing a mask. They actually get to meet a real live human being face-to-face on, on a, in a virtual call. Um, and then really, uh, the last one, number five, would be the end result for you, the elected medical um, professional, is that now you're able to increase the average revenue per in-office visit. And so the key is you have to measure it to know how it can impact your practice. And so I always say that, you know, the data is the boss. And you know, once you know that lead to consult conversion rate on a weekly basis, it really opens up so much possibility. And, and, and the final point, you know, and that's why I'm such a huge advocate of Optical is that they also are measuring that type of data. And that's, they've been really been able to, to a lot of our clients, help them get more consults in the door from the program that Bill's team has. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with you. Um, data is boss, and believe it or not, we here at Care Credit, we use it all the time. You know, it helps us to improve our product for providers, our providers, our product for patients and consumers alike, right? And, and I know, Bill, that, that you primarily use the phone. So can you elaborate on virtual consults that your clients have implemented? What I find is really interesting is that um, the virtual consultations actually allow that patient a safe option for meeting with the practice staff and getting all the information about the procedures that they're interested in. And something that Michael said uh, I think is really important. You know, in this day and age, whenever we're out in public, we see everybody with masks. We don't get to see their facial expressions. All we see are their eyes. And if you go into the office, you're going to experience that same thing. Everybody's got a mask on. We're all distanced. If you have a virtual uh, consultation, you can actually see somebody. We don't need to wear those masks when we're on video. So you get to see the whole face, the expression, the smiles, how they're reacting to what you say. Um, and then, you know, when the governments uh, initially locked down with these stay-at-home orders, people were forced to abandon their travel plans. And purchases that they were going to make were put on hold. And so now they have the money that's available for the procedures that they've been dreaming about. We found the practices offer, that offer the virtual consultation have a greater lead to consult, consultation rate than traditional avenues. And in fact, they can get the appointments sooner than they may have if they were to come into the office. But then again, the, the important thing to understand is that if you're not doing them right now, you need to understand what your conversion rate is right now and then implement the new program of virtual consultations and then measure the impact afterwards so that you can see the before and after picture. I can't stress that enough. You know, I really love this conversation. It, it really helps us to put a face, if you will, behind the mask to help us to understand how important these virtual consults are in helping us with this, this subject. So, so now that we covered the lead to consultation conversion rate, let's move on to the second KPI that we want to cover. And that is understanding and measuring lead response time data. Michael, um, would you get us started on this subject? Explain what you mean by lead response time data. Absolutely. And so to clarify, 
But when we're looking at lead response time, what we're looking at is the time difference between when the lead initially opts in to when they receive their first phone or text contact. And this is extraordinarily important to execute well. And, you know, many clinics that I've come in contact with, you know, sometimes they can wait hours uh, at best, or maybe it's even days that they're waiting uh, to actually contact the lead before they actually, you know, somebody that's an online inquiry that they actually get that first sort of contact. And really, according to Harvard Business Review study, to give you some data, businesses that contact a lead within the first hour are seven times more likely to qualify that lead than businesses who respond within two hours, right? And so, in other words, you know, you're a hundred times more likely to contact a lead if you do so within the first five minutes, and yet over 90% of businesses don't do this. And one quick point I wanted to mention, this again is a reason why I'm, I'm such a, a, a strong advocate of, you know, what Bill's team at Optical does. They're really able to help condense that lead response time. So if you have that variability in your clinic, I strongly recommend that you consider figuring out how you tighten up your lead response time. Wow, that's interesting. Seven times more likely to qualify a lead if a practice gets back to that prospect within the first hour. Wow. And I like how you also brought up that after that, that lead may move on to another practice. That's something they certainly don't mm -hmm. want to do, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So what about what about you? You have something to add for that? Yeah, yeah. I would like to say, you know, what, what is really important about um, it, well, adding to the lead response time is how you do it. So, you know, we make the phone calls. This is something that we do. And uh, a couple of things to understand about doing that is, you know, in our experience, you have about 15 seconds in the beginning of that phone call to start to build that rapport process. That's not a lot of time. So there are some things that really need to happen in the beginning of that phone call. Enthusiastic hellos are very important. You know, having some energy when you're calling because you're making the outbound phone call, you might be catching that person off guard a little bit. So having a very enthusiastic hello helps. Um, also, asking them if you've caught them at a good time. Being res respectful of their time is key. One of the other little things that I find is really great to add is thanking them for looking into that procedure at your practice. It's, it's all just trying to create friendly 15 seconds in the beginning of the phone call. But the, the fifth and final key to this really is the consistency of these little details amongst all your staff is going to ensure that you have the best conversions possible. If, if a consumer is willing to take the call, then obviously calling is the best possible course of action. You want to try to get them on the phone because that's your best chance to convert them. And then using the tips that I had mentioned below or above um, will, uh, will definitely help you find success. However, here's something that's important. So let's say you make that phone call and it's within five minutes and you just can't get through. Well, you know, one of the things that we do know about human behavior is that most people will not pick up on a phone call if they don't recognize the caller ID. I do the same thing throughout my day. In fact, 75% of people that don't recognize the caller ID will let it go to voicemail, and one in four of those won't even listen to voicemail. So what do you do at that point? At this point, texting becomes king. Yep, interesting, I, and I agree with you 100%. I'm the same way. If I don't know the caller who's calling on my phone, I don't recognize that number, I do not pick up. 
but I do listen to the message and then I act upon what I hear, you know. Uh, now, you stated, if you can't get through by the phone, texting becomes king. Why is texting effective? Well, it's, it's, it's funny because people like to communicate over text. We all do it every single day. You know, one, of the, one of the things that we found is that 58% of the people that we call, if they miss the phone call, they won't even listen to the voicemail. They'll actually text back that number. So it's important huh. that whatever number you're calling from, that you have the ability to text back to it as well. So texting gets the dialogue started. We've gone all the way through the complete booking process all over text. We can actually push calendars of availability to them through the text as well. So that helps with making it very easy for them to book the appointment and makes the process simple. I would add to what Bill said that, you know, text messaging is the next best, best thing to an actual phone call. You know, again, going back to some data, 50% of leads will go to the vendor that replies first. You know, that's back on that Harvard Business um, study. And ideally what you want to do is reduce friction in the buying process for that prospective patient. And, you know, you want to identify, you know, what are the specific things that you can do to help reduce friction? And, again, you know, a lot of people love to be able to text back and forth on their phones. And what I'll mention to you, though, I actually have some data from a client I just looked at last week, which is really interesting. And using texting, I recounted how many actual consultations we were able to book from the texting program that we had. We booked 207 consultations all via text message in last month. And so to me, I'm beyond sold on the ability of using text message because people just open up their phones and they're more than willing to answer text sometimes versus a phone call. Yeah, very, very interesting. And I and what I took note of what Bill had said, and you kind of echoed it too, Michael, is uh, you got to make sure the phone number you have can receive text. Right, so a lot of landlines obviously can't receive texting, so that's very important. Great, great information on the second um, KPI, lead to response rate. So let's move to the third and final area for our podcast today, and that's re-engagement, win back. And like the other areas, Michael, I think I'd love for you to have you start off by explaining what re-engagement, win back is. Absolutely. And, you know, essentially what you're looking at with a re-engagement campaign or a win-back campaign, you know, the mechanics of it are it's a series of marketing communications such as those emails, uh, emails, text messages, you know, it could be uh, retargeting ads on Facebook or Instagram uh, or phone calls, if you will, that just really give you that opportunity to re-engage and convert those quote-unquote lost leads that you have. And, you know, even right now during our current challenging business climate, Patients are still very interested to take care of themselves, and while they may not be able to spend their discretionary income on, you know, travel or, you know, they may not go out as much, uh, elective medical, what we have found is still one of those areas that it's an area that people are still interested in investing into themselves. And so, you know, looking at it um, just from a, from a high-level data perspective, um, you know, we look at a, a great free tool uh, I'd recommend everyone to look at is Google Trends. and you know, looking at it for your specific procedures that, that you offer in clinic. So in March and April, um, absolutely, it was a rough time for patient demand. Um, but what we're seeing is an uptick right now in patient searches for elective medical. And so let me just give you some quick results, and, and then Bill will be able to, to 
to, to jump in a little bit and talk about the audiences for this, but some specific results are this. We ran a campaign, a re-engagement or win-back campaign. One of our clients was able to bring in $96,000 in revenue uh, within 30 days. Uh, and another client just hit it absolutely out of the ballpark, re-engaging with those people that have expressed interest in the procedure, brought in 151 surgeries at a roughly a $3,900 per surgery, you know, you do the math and it's extremely worth your time right now, especially to be re-engaging with, with patients. Wow, that's amazing, those numbers that you just called out. Is it, is it truly, really true? You, you found that in some of your clients? Absolutely. It, it, it's, you know, the data proves everything. And I think that you know, there's a little bit of reluctance, you know, kind of running a campaign, you know, given the environment. But once you kind of see the numbers and the data, uh, they, they all be, definitely become a believer for sure. Wow, that's amazing. Bill, how about you? Yeah, you, you know, Michael mentioned data is boss, and I completely agree. Unless you know exactly what's going on with your leads, you're leaving a lot of potential revenue on the table. You know, our systems allow for practice to have access to real-time data. So we like to classify our leads into three different categories. We have the leads that book. We have the leads that don't book but would like additional information. And the third category that most people don't count are leads that don't book but don't want any additional information. Let me explain why that last category is so important. Practices are spending more and more on digital marketing. The majority of these leads send them to a landing page or a Facebook ad or something like that. If a prospective patient isn't ready to book and does not want to receive the additional information, you already have their information for future contact because they filled out some sort of a form of information in the first place. Plus, today, information is so accessible from the Internet, people are accepting information packets less and less. So we're seeing a lot more people fall into this third bucket. Ignoring these leads, you're missing a lot of prospective patients that were just not ready, uh, it wasn't the right time on the decision-making spectrum, and these folks would be perfect candidates for win-back campaigns win-back campaigns. Explain that, Bill. What is that? Well, a win-back campaign is reaching out to the prospects that didn't book a consultation, or you can even reach out to those who have been through the consultation process. They're good candidates for the procedure, but they didn't book a, a procedure or a treatment. Uh, we found that one of the best ways to re-engage with them is via text, because the response rate is so good with texting. Uh, special limited time offers can be used. We have practices that have used this during the COVID period and have had the best months ever. Wow. Re-engaging with someone is extremely important. And as you guys know, I work for Chair Credit. But reality is that, um, you know, we have a lot of tools and a lot of reports that we offer to our providers that accept the Care Credit card, right? We encourage our providers to use these free reporting tools to help create marketing campaigns, to actually re-reach out to cardholders who opened up a Care Credit card in their practice, right? They can actually get a report that says who they are and what their open available credit is, so they can remarket or retarget, re-engage, or have a win-back campaign with them as well. Uh, practice can create these opportunities to just do a general uh, marketing reach out, again, to get those win-back campaigns up and going. So um, reality then is that practices that don't take an opportunity for what we offer for maybe what you guys are offer 
offering as well actually really have potential of losing out on some revenues for the practice. Well, this is very great information on the three KPIs that we wanted to talk to today. Now, we're getting close to the end of our podcast, and I just have two questions left. What are the one and two takeaways for our listeners on how to start building long-term growth? Michael, let's start with you. Absolutely. So think of you as a, you know, elected medical professional and you're thinking about your clinic. When you, when your clinic can have transparency and clarity on the data uh, that, that you've got, it really helps to, to help you make effective marketing decisions. It allows you to grow your clinic predictably and consistently. And you really just want to take the guesswork out of all the decisions you're making from a marketing perspective. And, you know, long-term growth is not a singular event. It requires using data to your advantage. And when you couple having the right data along with implementing the right strategy, that I believe is a takeaway that really can help you to experience long-term growth. Yeah, I, I have to agree with Michael, too. Knowing your data is key. And, you know, there are a few great patient tracking programs out there that can help follow that patient or client all the way through their journey. Um, the other thing is utilizing lists of the prospects can create more revenue from people that you've already marketed to. Here's an interesting stat. It costs six to seven times more to get a new prospective patient than it does to re-engage with somebody who's already reached out with interest in your services. Wow. Thank you, guys. So the next one is, uh, what are some of the things that practices are doing right now that are proving successful in helping them recover that our listeners, you know, might find useful? Absolutely. Michael? I, I, I've got some key actions for you. Um, number one, uh, you need to start offering virtual consults. It, it, it's an absolutely a must for every elective medical practice. Um, number two, uh, you know, really focus on your patient communication and operations. You know, we, we're right now during a, there's a lot of turmoil going on right now, a lot of change in the market, and you, you want to be able to be on top of communicating directly with your patients, uh, and then creating new content. You know, is is just being able to utilize things like video and engaging more on a human to human level with your prospective patients. And then the final action that I would strongly recommend is, is to continue advertising. You know, it's just the clinics that we have seen get the greatest growth right now even during our current climate, have been those that have continued to advertise. And they've thought that, you know, since, you know, March of this year, definitely were a couple of down months, but they have really rebounded and they're thriving now uh, because some of the competitors, frankly, haven't. You know, half their competition has dropped out, and that's just given our clients a, a fantastic opportunity to rebound much faster than the competitors. Thank you very much, Michael. Uh, and last but not least, would you like to offer our listeners a special offer from both your companies just for them to take the time to listening, listen to this podcast? Bill? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first, let me say, as I mentioned earlier, we really appreciate the, the opportunity you've given us to work with you and your team to speak with the practices that utilize care credit. We would like to offer a complimentary website mystery shop. We'll provide the information on response time, consistency of response, and frequency of responses. The goal is to determine if you're maximizing conversion rates through the consistency of the lead response process. One of the things that we found um, when we do this type of shop is that practices are consistently inconsistent. 
Um, if anybody's interested, please visit our website at www.opticall.com, and under the contact uh, tab, you can just uh, click on the link for the free practice assessment. Sounds good. Michael? Uh, so for everybody that's on this podcast, I'd love to extend uh, an offer for you for a complimentary website audit. I believe your website is uh, an asset, and really helping to increase patient conversions is something that, I, that I'm very passionate about. And so we've identified 11 key factors that the most successful elective medical um, websites have. And so what we're going to do, we'll have our team to review your website and send you a nice report outlining how your website stacks up. And then what we'll also do is to film our findings via a screen share video for you to keep and be able to you know, pass it on to the appropriate people or team. You know, and I've yet to come across a website that hits all 11 points. And in my experience, you know, small hinges can really swing big doors. So even one adjustment on your website can have a significant positive effect on results. And so if you'd like to have our team to provide that audit for you, you can actually email me directly at michael at clinicmarketingsystem.com. Uh, it'd be our honor to be able to help you out with your practice. Thank you very much, Michael. And thank you very much, Bill, for offering our listeners a little something-something for just taking the time. And again, I want to thank you both for being a part of our discussion and for our listeners for taking the time to listen to our podcast of today. Make sure to check out all three episodes of Care Credit's podcast series on using data to get back to normal. <laughs>